Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by the one and only Rich Two. Rich, thanks for coming on today. I greatly uh, being here. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had way too many mutual friends to not do a podcast together. <laughs> so uh, you are currently living in uh, Portland, Oregon, working for yes, sir. Nike. Congratulations. Yes, sir. That's kind of like you know, that's that's a big deal. That's like yes. everybody wants to work with Nike. I don't want to work with Nike. <laughs> if they need like a coffee guy, I'll I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, believe me, they're always looking for warm bodies to deliver coffee. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, before that, you were in. Uh, you grew up in New Jersey, in East Orange or yeah. West Orange? Uh, South Orange. South grew, Orange. Uh, yeah, born and raised in South Orange, and uh, quiet little town. And yeah. then um, a few years ago, moved to New York uh, around grad school time. When I went to SVA, and mm -hmm. then kind of like. You know, well, but I've been an East Coast guy my whole life, pretty yeah. much, until now. Awesome. What were some of the places when you're working in New York City? I know that you kind of worked all over and worked for um, some of the biggest names that are out there. Uh, who were some of your favorite clients that you worked with while in New York? Um, I'd say my favorite clients, for sure, New York Times. Love those guys. Would pretty much drop anything to do, to, you know, work with the with the Times. Uh, New Yorker was always fun. Uh, Coca Cola, that was I did a really cool project with them a couple years ago. Uh, and let's see, Double XL was like a dream to work for Double XL. Um, I was a huge hip hop head growing up. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that project that you did with Coke. Sure. So sure. Um, it was Coke Red and Queen, mm -hmm. and you were commissioned yep. by Coke Red to create an animated video for Queen's track yeah. Hard Again, uh, and it was. Uh, for AIDS awareness. I absolutely am obsessed with this video. I didn't <laughs> know it until I prepared for today's podcast because I kind of looked at your work more in depth. And uh, I love it. And it looks like it was quite a feat to design that and put that all together. And I saw yes. there was a, a couple real insanely talented designers got together. And for anyone who has not seen it and is looking to be inspired, that start with that video. So tell me about that and what it was like to put that all together and how did it all kind of come together? And why did they not use it? <laughs> What's up with that? Well, the thing is that, uh, the, well, the video was insane. You're absolutely right. It was a crazy, crazy uh, project to work on. Uh, it was about two weeks, two weeks, uh, not three, two. You and two uh, weeks? Yeah, it was two weeks, man. And That's crazy. the whole, yeah, well, let me just, let me mute this guy. Uh, so it was two weeks. And it was a hot box of animators and a couple directors, uh, myself. And my homie Chris Merck, uh, K R I S Merck, uh, he was a co-director, and uh, he worked at the time. He was a creative director at Humble, and they had gotten this brief um, through uh, an agency, uh, another middleman between Coca Cola and just, you know, there's like a million agencies in between, right. you know, between product and uh, between sh uh, ship and brief, right? So. Um, uh, it was uh, it was an artist driven thing where uh, there was it was Queen, you could, uh, Aloe Black was also in the mix. Um, let's see, One Direction was also in the mix, and I think Wyclef was also in the mix. Damn. So all those four artists were involved in the project for Coke Red for AIDS awareness, and then for Queen, I th it uh, we we chose Queen because we wanted something super ambitious. Also, we were huge Freddie Mercury fans, and of course Queen fans, and. Right. The idea of working on an unreleased track was like so baller. It was like, yo, dude, can you believe this? Like, <laughs> For no one's heard the song. Before. Are you kidding me? The red and white? Yeah, and, it's awesome. Exactly. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So, uh, 
I, I did style frames for it. I did style frames for three days straight, basically kind of uh, creating like an aesthetic for it. I would, I would just crank out like 20 frames a day, 20, 30 frames a day or something. We, I did that, and then me, uh, me and uh, Chris, uh, we just we would just have conversations back and forth. I was working remotely at the time, and I I that also I was freelancing daytime at another agency, doing this work at night. So like I do a full day's work on I think actually Oakley. I think I was working on Oakley right. for MNC Sachi, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, so I was doing that during the day, and at night I would just crank on this video, and I'd be like, uh, by day three I was like, yo, I'm dead, bro. Uh, uh, so. Uh, Merck hits me up. He's like, "Hey, um, so uh, we like uh, we like it. They like it. Come in and uh, let's uh, let's make this video." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, cool. We'll just this is I'm tired, so I'll just get even more tired." And then for two <laughs> weeks straight, it was about uh, me, Merck, and like I think seven animators that were doing uh, frame frame animation, um, uh, onion skin in Photoshop. And even I was getting down, like, I'm not really um, an animator, but I was right. even doing, like, little bleeps and bloops, yeah. you know, just, like, you know, getting down. And then uh, another animator would be, uh, would compile everything in, uh, in um, After Effects. And, you know, it was just, you know, working on a million transitions, like, like re revisiting the style the whole way through and just kind of tweaking the hell out of it. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I think it was a, it was Queen. I think Coca-Cola loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think that the politics of the Queen Mercury estate and those guys that you yeah. know what I'm saying I I think there was an artistic vision that wasn't being controlled by artists that right. if, that's what I think yeah um, um, but anyway it was a dope project to be on and I've gotten uh, a lot of love for it and so has Merc and all the team so it's like I, I don't care where the shit ends up I'm just stoked <laughs> to be on it you know what it's I mean? on the website. <laughs> I was looking through your book and I found uh, your project that you did with Timothy Goodman for the Art Directors Club. Oh, yeah. Shout yeah. out to everybody at the Art Directors Club. I love all those guys. What's up, ADC? Rest yeah. in peace. The the gallery, though. They just closed up the gallery. They just uh, combined oh, no. shops with uh, one shop. So the, all right. Oh, so they're going to yeah. go over there. Yeah. That's cool. That's it, it's, yeah. the, it's like the Skynet of like creating. You know how they all <laughs> just like come together? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're we're, uh, we're coming ever closer to the uh, the singularity. Come on, AIGA, hop on. Let's, let's do it. Uh, yeah. So, so you I know. Can, I know. I get that blinking eyeball in my emails. Come on, let's go. Let's I go know for it. real. AIGA in design. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, okay. So you did this this bathroom mural. Um, yeah. And just in black and white. Yep. Uh, with Timothy Goodman. Um, Mikey Burton, Chris Rubiano, uh, and that's Rubino. Rubino, sorry. Yes, yeah, no, Rubino. no, no. Yeah, I added that back in. There. Um, <laughs> so if my bathroom is very plain, if you guys, if any of you guys want to come over and do that in my bathroom, that'd be totally cool. <laughs> but uh, tell me what what that's like to work on like a project like that. That's kind of just fun and with people as talented as you know the names I just mentioned. As those guys. Yeah. Oh man. Well, first of all, it's crazy being uh, working with you know. Um, those guys, because they're all animals, killers. and they're all super dedicated. Yeah, exactly, all killers, straight up, and they're all dedicated to their craft, mm -hmm. and um, and and also uh, for the uh, the the women's room. Also, we worked on the women's room, and then the girls worked on the men's room. And the way the whole thing went down it was like we just spent a Saturday afternoon just cranking on this thing. We were we were 
pitching ideas around uh, as far as the aesthetics of this, like as a group, but like trying to get like all of us together to like, you know, mind meld on concepts. Like imagine that like we're all freaking busy and then we all want to do this thing. And then we all try to, you know, try to agree on an idea. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, the ADC team was super gracious and like super um, uh, flexible when it came to all that stuff. Um, and uh, we, we just went there on a Saturday and a bunch of us, uh, a, a few people came from out of town. I know Tim at the time was uh, on the West Coast, so we came to the East Coast specifically for that, probably some other things. And Mikey was in Philly and uh, Chris was coming from another location working on some other amazing project. And, um, but I was already in New York, so we were all just like, you know, we just uh, cranked in the sweaty bathroom for all day. <laughs> was it like hot in there and like no air? Oh, dude, the ventilation or lack thereof was fucked up. <laughs> we like we were in there just like sweating, just like uh, just our our art is so so hard, <laughs> so hard sometimes. Uh, drawing these uh, ridiculous drawings. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but it, it was a really fun project, and um, yeah, they kept so that cool. up for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so let's talk about your podcast. You just came out with a podcast. Oh yeah, first generation burden. Um, sure. I listened to one today. And, and, oh, which one? Uh, the one with, oh, talking about names. Um, Juan Carlos Pagan. <laughs> oh, JC, yeah. No, yeah, yeah totally. so tell um, me about the podcast. Yeah, so. And uh, I, I know that it's, it's super cool and I, I'm loving it. So tell me about it and where you got the idea to do it and, you know, all that. Um, well, for, uh, first of all, I got to shout out my homegirl, uh, Nastasia uh, Chavinsky. She, uh, we were having brunch one day with some other friends out here in Portland. And uh, we were just talking about the idea of... Um, Oh, uh, it was uh, Aziz Ansari show mm -hmm. on Netflix. Um, that was like the kind of a th the thought starter for it. And uh, the idea of um, the first generation kids um, and, um, you know, uh, kids of the color where, you know, it's it, it's hard and it's kind of an um, an, an understated, um, I don't know, her cultural hurdle that one has to overcome, especially when. Uh, when you have uh, the the burden of your your parents and your your ancestors really kind of like you know you know like my parents uh, my parents came from the Philippines in the 60s when they were 20 after both of their parents died they had to send money back home wow. to yeah, you know crazy. the Philippines yeah I mean like they've been they've been American longer than they've been Filipino you right. know and it's like not even necessarily by Choice, one hundred percent. So, you know, there's that kind of cultural they burden to be as well. Architects, and one was an architect, and the other one is a doctor, right? Oh yeah, my mom. Yeah, my mom's a doctor. My dad's an architect. They both retired. And they're just enjoying being grandparents now. So, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Yeah, no. Talk about like a, a life, a meaningful, purposeful life. Like, damn. Seriously, your parents Seriously. killed it. Step your game I know. up, Rich. They crushed it. Um, <laughs> you yeah, work at Nike um, though, so you're doing all right. You're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're like, wait, so you didn't want, you don't want to be a doctor? You sure you want to be an artist? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to the podcast, so uh, I thought it was interesting, and this is months ago before even like any sort of uh, election politics shit was really like you right. know weighing down on me. But the rhetoric at the time was like so very, uh, it was as anti-immigration, anti this, anti that, and um, it just felt like we were uh, entering a war against inclusion. Yeah. And um, and it's something that like you know kind of weighs on me and weighs on um, people of color and and even um, 
um, you know, people who are sympathetic to the cause. So I was like, I wish it would be nice to have a podcast where you're, uh, you know, you can have conversations with uh, these first generation kids that have that cultural context and, uh, you know, but not use it necessarily as a platform for negativity and just like, you know, shouting. Right. But like use it as a platform to say like, hey, there's there's some real uh, positive shit coming out of uh, out of uh, this this voice of the other. Right. And, um, you know, let's let's take it there. So I interviewed Ahmed Klink first and JC first, Juan Carlos first. And then uh, I kind of sat on it, didn't want to, didn't do anything with it because I was like, oh, do you know, do I, does it sound good? Do I, right. do I like what ha- what's happening? And then the uh, the election happened, and I was like, man, like this is, you know, if there was ever a moment to, you know, have a where your uh, a fire under your ass is lit, like that was really it. So just like Sunday, Monday, right after, it's like I just editing furiously and just trying to like, you know, get as, as clean of a product as possible for Ahmed's. Um, um, especially, you know, him being like this amazing photographer, creative, you know, business, businessman and, um, and, and coming from Lebanon and to France, to the the United States and crushing it, you know, it was really, it was really meaningful. So, uh, so now really it's, um, the podcast has, uh, is still kind of the original intent, but I think, you know, the nature of the political discussion now is kind of. It's it's made it a little more urgent. Yeah, for a just, few a little just a little oh, bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely want to make sure that I touch on this because um, I know that you and I spoke about it. But your work, uh, it's predominantly illustration. You've done some some murals, a little bit of animation, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Some branding work, pretty much a little bit of everything. Uh, but the your aesthetic style, I would I would I know that you and I talked about this before. But I know that you were kind of influenced a little bit by like the pushpin style and Seymour sure, sure. Quast and and Quast uh... baby. Oh yeah. And now <laughs> I, I I can't remember who you said. I think you said that you like Seymour Quast more than Milton Gla- Glazer. Is that right? Can we say that? <laughs> now you're re- now can you're we really say that on the trouble. public record? I'll say it. I'll say it. I like. I love the, I love them both. I love them both. But I remember. Yeah, I love them both. Brian Collins served will... me on to Seymour Quast and. My life was, yeah. never, was never the same. But if I, yeah, but if I had to choose, I go Team Quast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> who have been some of the other people, or who are some of the people that have influenced you the most um, in terms of your illustration style? Because it's quite unique, and but I, I also can see, you know, like the pushing <clears throat> style, and there are mm-hmm. definitely some other things that are kind of infused there. But who have mm-hmm. been your biggest influences? Um, I'd say from uh, my biggest influence from an illustration style, actually was uh steven heller because well. St- steven heller um uh for all you design nerds out there who if you in, if you're in the small percentage that doesn't know him yeah uh he, he i sat know, behind he's... him the other night i was this close oh did you really wow yeah. that's cool. i sat behind him and debbie millman i felt really cool i felt like i was wow. like, cool by association Wow, you should have like plucked a small hair from the back of his neck and just tried to like you know save this so you could clone him later. Yeah, I love uh, him. Um, read all his books and stuff. So yeah, good. Yeah, totally. But uh, he was he was the one who gave me my first job at uh, as Ill, as a professional illustrator for the New York Times. It was like 2006. It was like right before he quit uh, doing the book review before uh, Nicholas Blackman stepped in, and um, yeah, I was able to 
squeeze into his tenure, which was kind of amazing. That's so and, cool. And uh, because because I, I always looked at uh, his, his taste level is is um, amazing and right. impeccable, you know. Mm-hmm. So I always looked at it from a uh, a tastemaker's point of view and just see and trying to execute work that I thought I wanted to see right. and work that I thought was cool. And then over time, you just kind of end up developing a style that you're a comfortable in. A, uh, B seems to resonate with uh, uh, people and yourself primarily. Um, with that said, I mean, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's like I don't really stick to any particular style. I'm just kind of like, you know, going to town on something I want to see. I'm really looking at it from a problem-solving perspective. So that's another thing that uh, I, I, I I like to take from, you know, someone like Stephen Heller. It's right. just like, you know, even putting... Her- hurdles intentional hurdles in front of myself so i'm trying to solve my own problem yeah you know it's like a it's a big thing um, yeah. you know i recently started drawing myself and kind of uh nice <clears throat> trying to get more tactile with the products that i do and have more of like a human touch there's kind of like this uh i'm a little bit worried about venturing out into this world because i i'm kind of new to it but I find sometimes it's great and then i can get right into it and other times i just continuously like We'll draw a line and rip out a piece of paper yep. and nothing comes of it. Now, you're somebody who I think has that kind of like that st- like steady hand and really knows what you're doing. Um, what would your advice be to somebody who's looking to kind of get more tactile and do more illustration work <clears throat> and stuff like that and, you know, use different mediums and say Illustrator or Photoshop? Yeah. What, yeah. Are, are, what are some of the ways you can kind of get over those hurdles or fears of, of working in that kind of tactile space? Um, I think that is, I think it's a time thing. You just kind of got to put in the time and it's personal comfort levels with your execution, your skill level, and um, knowing what you want to accomplish. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I, uh, for me, the best thing was always, always adding a level of urgency to my work so that it just it made me give a shit and it also made me want to uh, just try different things, like um, based on necessity. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's really a, t- a time thing, uh, time and effort, time effort, ten thousand hours, all that, yeah, all that jazz. Uh, but I, I will say that um, accountability. There's a lot to be said for giving yourself accountability, and and putting yourself in a position to get critiqued and and moving past the critique so that you, um, the, the things that you worried so much about early on, you just don't, are complete second thoughts. Right. You know what I mean? Like I used to worry so much about like, a, oh, the brush has to be this type of brush and, or the color has to be this specific palette right. or, uh, you know, th- this mode of expression is, is this, but, um, and but now I'm much more loose in my execution, where I feel comfortable in, um, you know, making a uh, making an immediate choice in terms of you know what my tool is, what my what my um, my overall general thought is, and, and um, you know I can just I can just crank. Is it more you know just I mean? like the yeah for sure? Is it more just like the expression? Because I mean like. I, I kind of just got a whole bunch of different supplies. I got like markers and I got Sharpies. And mm-hmm. well, I should say I, I saw a whole bunch of Timothy Goodman work and then I went out and bought like a hundred Sharpies. 
Just the Sharpies don't make it look. <laughs> the tool does not make it look like the person. I was like, I'll do the Sharpies and I'll start drawing. Have you, like have, you told, have you told Tim that? Have you told Tim? I have. I reached, I reached out to him to no avail. It's okay, <laughs> That's though. so funny. He's a busy dude. That's, it's probably yeah, well somewhere in an inbox, so I'm not taking it personally. <laughs> Open invite, yeah, though. Right. Timothy Goodman, if you want to come on, I'm a big fan. But uh, no, it, it was so funny to see though, because like I, he was, I heard him on Debbie Millman talking about like using sharpies and stuff like that. Sure. And it was sure, kind of sure, eye opening because sure. it's like you can have, because like normally it's like, well, I don't have that brush or I don't have like crank markers or I don't have, the, so I can't do it. And it was kind of, it was kind of a neat thing because I remember getting the sharpies and thinking like I'm gonna do that Timothy Goodman esque work, <clears throat> and then you realize sure. it's not the tool, it is the, it's the person. It's the individual. It. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. you could have the best pen in the world and be a terrible calligrapher. Totally. Dude, yeah. I mean, have you seen um, when people draw draw in the snow, but then some like amazing like uh, uh, letterer will just like draw like a, a beautiful thing on like someone's yeah. uh, window on, on, on like new fallen snow on a car? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you seen shit like some, that? Some it's a living type character. Exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. Some Ricardo oh, yeah, is exactly. so good, man. I love. Do you know Ricardo? Are you, you just know? on? He was a recent guest. Oh no, I saw that. I saw that on Facebook. Okay. It was he, recently, yo, I love Ricardo. It was recently, yeah. Yeah, Ricardo. Shout, shout out to Ricardo. Shout out. Shout out to Ricardo. Shout out to Sunday afternoon kid. family. That's what's up. Um, yeah. Uh, Mexico. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's really the individual, and it's really the expression, because you know. Uh, when it comes to like, especially illustrative work and typographic like work, um, you know, drama isn't inherent to the tool. You can yeah. create drama and you can create a uh, balance um, based on you know your execution and almost any tool that you use. So yeah, you know, like yeah, uh, when when you don't don't put the the lack of skill on the tool. Yeah, <laughs> right. you, do you know what so, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, no. uh, I know. So, were you you were freelancing in, in New York City, or are you were? I was freelancing. Freelancing uh, and then uh, working full time occasionally, right? Yeah, I would kind of do a year on, year off, and I was right before Nike. I was freelancing for I think a year and a half. Okay, so yeah. when you got the call from from Nike, or you mm-hmm. know, uh, however that worked out, um, sure, did. You know, working in New York and the one and only New York, and you know, there are yeah. some of the the most influential people in the world work in New York City, and some of the, you know, there have been a lot of people who are kind of outspoken about, you know, it's like New York or the highway kind of thing. Sure. So when sure. you got the call from Nike, what was it about the Nike brand that that made you want to come all the way, you know, move across the country and work for them? Um, I'm the type of person that likes to say yes to the universe. In general, yeah, you know what a, I mean. And yeah. uh, when opportunity comes, uh, if it interests me, I'll more than likely pursue it because it'll be like an earworm. It'll be like the song that you can't get out of your head. You'll be like, right. "Damn, I kind of wanna do that thing yeah. or work on that thing." And I'm the type of person who also I'm a finisher, so I don't like to start shit unless I'm gonna finish it. And in the rare occasion that I have not finished things, it it eats the hell out of me, right. you know. <clears throat> and also, I was a sneakerhead growing up. And uh, so, I mean, I remember my first pair, or my first pair of Nikes, like, man, I still got the box. I got a, it was a pair of Air Force One, Lowe's, Canvas, Black, White, I bought it Foot Action nice. at Livingston Mall <laughs> when I was in seventh grade. 
And um, yeah, and I got it because my bo- my friend Terrell had the black, oh no, had the red and white ones, and uh, they called them bubble gums at the time. Yeah. And I didn't want to get the green and white ones because I wasn't a Celtics fan. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, and and in the early 2000s when the SB craze was happening, yep. like I was, you know, I was I going through all, all that. The, it was awesome. But uh, at my most, I probably had like two to three hundred pairs wow that, you know what i mean and i was kind of scavenging too from like a lot of mom and pop shops in the early 2000s especially around um central new jersey you know before like all that stuff got ransacked by all like you know the nike talk heads yeah <clears throat> um so you know it was just like stuff like that my personal history and also my desire to want to do uh to do work on, on like a, a level that i hadn't done do you know right. what i mean or, yeah. or and also to work on product because I had been working so much on uh, the brand side and also just, you know, um, the flat dimensional side working on footwear, A. So I got the call and they were just like, hey, do you want to work on footwear? I was like, holy shit. Uh, Do you want to work at Nike? Holy shit. And do you want to do, I can't say, but work on these specific projects? And I was like, oh, this is really interesting to me. Um, so they kind of, you know, it was kind of like the hook, line, and sinker, yeah. uh, you know. And I was, and at the time, I was freelancing, and I had just incorporated, I incorporated uh, an, L- an LLC, and I was like really about to take that to the next level. And then, you know, just you know, Nike was on the hunt, so I was I was fortunate to be, you know, on on a list, so right. on someone's list. Yeah. So. There's a lot, I've kind of at the point now with my book, and I think a lot of young designers are kind of, and some people that are not even young designers feel this way, but trying to find direction and trying to find an area to in, invest in. But mm-hmm. when you don't know exactly what that is, and, yeah. and you're kind of torn, which is very much so where I'm at now, uh, sure. what do you do with that? Like if, you know, I kind of am interested in illustration, I kind of like yep. branding and a little bit of yep. everything. You're somebody who's pretty versatile, so... Um, I, I, uh, hear, I hear a lot to make a decision, but, you know, wh- how do you go about that? Uh, I would say, in my experience, I, I am also very indecisive when it comes to wanting to stick to something. And I'm a, I'm a professional experimenter. So I like to uh, chase, my, uh, chase my curiosity is uh, probably the best thing, I, I, best piece of advice. And I don't even really believe in advice because um, everyone has their own path. But if you are interested in something, I think you should pursue it on some level, just so you know that you you can you can be rested in your in your artistic heart that you even tried. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I um when I first wanted to pursue a professional creative life, I went to SVA um, for uh, their continuing education classes, and uh, I was working daytime at the mall. And then at night, I would go to class three days a week. And this was right after I graduated undergrad, like 22. So it's like school never really stopped, Mm -hmm. you know. And then the first classes I took were uh, an illustration class. Um, I took a design class, which is more traditional graphic design. And I took an advertising class, which is more like a thinking exercise class. But then you'd be pitching ideas within the classroom setting with a critique setting. Right. <clears throat> and I was like, I went there with the with the purpose of knowing what I wanted to do, or at least having a better decision of what I wanted to do, and then like you know getting rid of stuff I didn't want to do. 
Right. But at the, at the end of the day, I liked all of them, so I pursued them all on in some aspect. Yeah. Do you know? And uh, I mean, I've done so much random shit where it's like I, I did UX design at NBC Universal two summers ago, like for and we were, uh, helped relaunch BravoTV.com, which I've never publicly put out there. Yeah. And, and uh, don't go to the site right now. It looks like complete shit. <laughs> but uh, at the time, when we were pitching stuff that looked fucking dope. The, yeah. the schedule page on Bravo TV looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> Tell me um, how you really feel, Rich. Tell me how you really <laughs> feel. I want to know. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you know, like I, I, I just like to pursue stuff. Even with the whole Nike thing, I was like, I've never done product before. It was been on the other end of like the, the stream, the, the right. creative stream. Um, so being at the, the ideation point at the very beginning of a concept that eventually is to get sold from a, a brand design perspective and right. advertising perspective. Like, you know, that was, that was just fascinating to me. So I just wanted to pursue that, right. you know? Um, so I would just say, like, if you have a curiosity, pursue the curiosity because um, a true creative wouldn't let that sit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I think, and I think that leads to eventual dissatisfaction. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like, I can be a pretty, like... Um, uh, what might seem like uh, uh, a huge variety and potentially uh, spastic creativity, mm -hmm. but you know, I there's way more stuff that I've done, and from a portfolio book perspective, so I can whittle it down. And if I want to pursue a particular project, I can give like a slice of like, oh, here's here's stuff that I've done that look that looks and feels like this, so right. it can be presented this way. Here's stuff that you know that feels more, uh, more illustrative. Here's stuff that feels more uh, animation. Here's stuff that feels more uh, web and digital. Here's stuff that feels more brand, and 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 then after this experience, I'll have like here's stuff that feels like you know Nike footwear. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, so you can kind of sell yourself, and you're just you're creating a toolkit. I think for when you're in the first few years of your creativity professional creativity you're gonna be i think you should do too much shit yeah. you know what i'm saying just do too much shit so that you can present yourself in the way that you want to by curating yourself over time right and then and then taking those projects and, and editing it down because I, I spoke with like um <clears throat> with justin genak and one of the things he said was um there are a lot of talented people who kind of have this work but they put up everything that they've done rather than kind of editing it and putting you know their, their their best projects so like have, totally. a, have a diverse <clears throat> and and wide skill set but exactly make sure that the work that you do because you could have the best portfolio in the world if there's something that's on there that looks subpar it will almost negate the good work because it's like they thought to put it's true they thought to put that on there and they thought it was a good idea to leave it on their website yeah but you're saying like this like I, I think your portfolio should say this is my best work this is my yeah, like, like this is my best face, exactly. and I think a lot of people are like, well, I could do this, but it looks like shit. So, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people hit me up; they'll be interested to be like, oh, but can you? Uh, we like this, but can you also do this thing or incorporate it with this other thing? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I have uh, another body of work that isn't openly presented in my portfolio. I can say like, hey, look, this there's a usage for this type of work, and like, we can go here. And right. sometimes I'm just like, I'll just. 
like in my when I was freelance, I just wake up and be like, man, I kind of want to try this other random thing I've never fucking tried before. Let's see if there's an opening there, yeah, <laughs> and and then see if you know I can just uh, freelance there for a week or two, and then I can you know mold my portfolio just to have that discussion. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That's true. Uh, <laughs> you've been more than gracious. I'm gonna have to uh, chop this up. It'll be, it'll be so. This is so much fun. Uh, Likewise. When, when you're Likewise, in New, when you're in New York, for real, let me know, yeah. and I will be ha- I will happily uh, come in and and party with you or whoever you're partying with. So I'll, <laughs> I'll crash your party like a Luke Bryan song. <laughs> I hate that I song. Come, uh, I come in on Thursday. I'm actually around Midtown. Me staying around Midtown, uh, Times Square ish. Not my choice. It wasn't my hotel choice, but oh god. I'm a, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't mind Times Square. I'm just kind of like looking forward to being around uh, humans. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, Oregon can be a little, a uh, little empty sometimes. Yeah, a little lonely. Awesome. Yeah, man. We're gonna, we're gonna definitely uh, try and meet up. Thank you so much for coming on. And, Rob, thank uh, you, sir. I appreciate it. And people can find you at rich2.com, correct? If you want to give out uh, your rich social two, handles. Yeah, rich2.com, one word. Uh, but for social handles, it's rich underscore tu uh, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Snapchat, rich2. And, uh, oh, the podcast, First Generation Burden. Oh, yes. We're going to try to do 12. So uh, we're on iTunes, so you can find us there. Uh, we have three episodes up next week. Uh, I try to launch on Mondays. I'm going to try to do at least 12 and then just like, you know, say I did it and call it a wrap. So, yeah. Rich, thanks so much for coming on today, buddy. This is so awesome. Rob, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Peace. Thank you.